again um here we are with the third installment of my self-imposed disney curse hopefully this will be the last one if i can keep it within a decent time we will see allow me to once again introduce myself my name is horribly dummy and mad thick as far as the uh the summer goes once school starts back in the fall we will see um, the rules, ladies and gentlemen, of my Disney marathon. Back a couple months ago, I asked for everyone's favorite Disney movie, and I got about, you know, 40-something responses, give or take, um, and about 26 of them, or... I got 26 movies out of those 40-something responses because a lot of movies were said multiple times. Um, and so I've taken it upon myself to watch every single movie and I will be ranking them, or I guess I have been ranking them on a scale of 1 to 100. Um, of course, I'm not just thinking of a number out of the top of my head. I actually have a rubric, which I will be once again going over. Hopefully, uh, this um, will not be falling on deaf ears. Hopefully, the people who are listening to this episode have listened to the two before this one. Uh, but there are 12 categories, which I rank. Um, they are weighted differently, such as plot, which is given a score 1 to 10. Characters overall is given a score to 10 protagonist five animation five overall design 10 music 10 game changer 10 uh, the game changer being kind of like the plot twist or just the uh, the overall mood change of the movie redemption which is the solution to said conflict humor character development oh humor is to five character development is to 10 Emotional investment, five. Antagonist, ten. Uh, some, some explanations. Antagonists are rated higher than protagonists because I am of the school of thought that antagonists make the movie. Um, a movie can only be as good as the evil villain. Or, you know, as we've seen, not every movie has an evil villain. You know, maybe they're just um, somebody trying to do their job. Um, but that conflict is what makes the movie. I said animation, but with live action movies, I instead rank the acting, which is also to a scale of five. Um, since we are in the top ten, I must once again stress that I am saying these movies in order of how much um, I liked the movie this time around for this marathon. Um, the further we go, I will distinguish which movies I liked more as movies and which ones I ranked higher because of this, uh, this ranking. That being said, 
allow us to move on to Kicking off the number 10 spot, we have Johnny Tsunami, or as many know him as, Johnny Capahala. Um, plot, we have a 10 out of 10. Protagonist, we have a 5 out of 5. Characters overall, 10 out of 10. Acting, 5 out of 5, which is a very surprising thing for me to realize. Um, overall design, 10 out of 10. Music, 10 out of 10. Game Changer, 8 out of 10. Redemption, 10 out of 10. Humor, 3 out of 5. Character Development, 10 out of 10. Emotional Investment, 5 out of 5. And The Antagonist, 10 out of 10. For an overall score of 96 out of 100. Now, um, Johnny Tsunami was definitely a movie from my childhood that I loved um, from the old school Disney, uh, the Disney originals. It was so good. Um, the plot, which follows Johnny Capahala, who is um, growing up in Hawaii under the um, tutelage of his, well, his parents, who are still alive, and his grandfather, who is known as Johnny Tsunami. Um, Johnny Tsunami is a title given to um, the greatest surfer in Hawaii and it's like a competition almost um and so when Johnny Tsunami or I guess Johnny Kapahala he um he doesn't get along with his father who doesn't understand you know the whole surfing thing he's like a computer geek and so when they move to um I think it's like Connecticut or Vermont um Johnny Kapahala has to trying to think of the word adapt and get along with his new schoolmates it's like a private school he's not a private school kind of kid he's definitely public school vibes and um and that's essentially the plot you know he gets into a uh, a big fight not a big fight but he gets the main conflict is against the preppy school kids who think that they control this mountain um like the best ski part of the mountain um, there's nothing but snow up there, so he's definitely not surfing. Um, that's really just what the main plot revolves around. And I gave that a strong 10 out of 10 because it, you know, I didn't realize it until after I watched the movie that it's a lot like Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, and I loved Tokyo Drift. So, um, yeah, that was the main motivation behind the 10 out of 10. Well, not because it wasn't just a good movie, but it just reminds me of another good movie. Protagonist, Johnny Capahala. He's just a kid. Um, flawed, of course, childish. But he redeems himself in a lot of different ways that I appreciated. Um, the acting was surprisingly good. I wasn't expecting the acting to be as good as it was. Because it's an older movie, and older movies tend to have, especially dealing with kids, the kids tend to um, be a little bit rigid. Um, music was all right. I didn't I didn't count off any for the music because the music served its purpose. Game Changer was an 8 out of 10. Let me tell you why. My only problem, as I have written here in my notes, my only problem is we don't really know how 
they paid to get to Hawaii, and Sam's dad was a little bit too chill about the situation. Okay, so one of the the game changer of the movie is that um, Johnny and his friend Sam. Sam's dad is uh, he's a military man. He travels a lot, and so Sam's dad got reassigned to like Alaska or something. I don't know somewhere else cold. And Johnny didn't want to lose him. And Johnny, he hates it wherever he is now. I think it's Vermont. Um, he hates it there. So he tells his friend, he's like, hey, let's just go to Hawaii. Let's just go to my grandpa's house, and we're going to stay there. And so they do. They just leave. And we don't know how they paid to get there. We can only assume that they used um, Johnny's parents' money. And Sam's dad, he comes to Johnny's house and talks to his parents. And he's just like, this is fine. You can stay with him for as long as he needs. And it's like, what? It makes no sense. You know, how could any parent be that chill about their son, you know, flying across the United States off the mainland with some kid he just met like a month ago? Bonkers. The Redemption. My notes. Um, I wrote Tsunami, which is um, the grandpa coming with his grandson to Vermont was cool. And patching things up with his son was very good. The race was also very good. Um, so whenever Johnny decides to go back home, uh, his grandpa ends up coming with him. Because his son, his grandpa's son, which is Johnny's dad. I know it's very confusing. Stay with me. They have a very rocky relationship. Because Johnny's son, Tsunami's son was never really into surfing. And so when he grew up, he got into computers and they grew apart because his dad didn't know how to, you know, be a dad to someone like that, someone that was so drastically different from him. And so whenever um, Johnny Capala flies home to be back with his parents, his grandpa comes with him and then his grandpa and his dad patch things up, which I thought was really cool. And his dad who doesn't support Johnny Capahala's surfing or skiing ends up coming to watch the race at the end of the movie for control of the mountain, which I thought was just really good. The race was really um, hardcore humor. There just really wasn't a whole lot of funny stuff going on. Um, the funny stuff that was there, I liked, but you know, there was just an absence of comedy. And next up, we have a new movie that I had yet to uh, hear of until... Actually, I don't know why I keep doing that. My inflection is so weird. Um, Let it go. Treasure Planet. Coming in at the number nine spot. Plot, nine out of ten. Characters overall, ten out of ten. Protagonists, 5 out of 5. Animation, 5 out of 5. Overall design. Hmm. 10 out of 10. Music, 10 out of 10. Game changer, 10 out of 10. Redemption, 8 out of 10. Honor. Honor, what the? <laughs> Humor. Humor, 5 out of 5. Character development, 10 out of 10. Emotional investment, 
5 out of 5, and the antagonist, 10 out of 10, for an overall score of 97. Plot. It was a good movie. Okay, plot. I keep getting notifications. The plot, which was a 9 out of 10, I thought was good. The only problem that I had with it would be the um, the lack of depth that they went into about some of these characters. You know, they just kind of appeared, and we're just supposed to believe that they're credible. You know, um, like the captain of the ship, Captain Amelia. I I know that this movie is based off of a novel of the same name, so I'm sure that there was a lot of details that the movie couldn't go into because of time constraints. And I just wish. You know, the movie kind of feels a little bit two-dimensional at times because of that. So I only took off one point because the movie itself was still fantastic. Um, the Game Changer, I wrote down, of course the treasure was booby-trapped. Have they never watched Indiana Jones? Okay, so if you've never seen Treasure Planet, I apologize. Spoilers incoming. Um, they find the treasure. You know, the whole thing was about treasure that a pirate had hid over 100 years ago. And they end up finding the treasure, and the pirate was so dead-gum paranoid about people taking his treasure that he booby-trapped it for the planet that the, that the treasure was on, excuse me, that the treasure was on would implode and burn all the treasure with it. So, of course, the treasure was going to explode. It was booby-trapped. Thus, me comparing it to Indiana Jones. Redemption, I gave it an 8 out of 8. Um... Two problems that I have with this. Uh, captain Amelia, who was the um, the captain of the ship, she was almost dead because of something that had happened. Um, apparently, when the movie first came out, we could definitely see that her injuries were life-threatening, but now that it's on Disney+, Plus, they took out some of the blood, so it's really hard to tell. Um, captain Amelia was almost dead, but then when they're flying away, she's able to stand and give orders. It doesn't make sense. Secondly, Ben, which is a robot, um, earlier on in the movie, was randomly pulling plugs on the on the, the boat. And then the ship was able to just fly as if nothing was wrong. It doesn't make any sense. That ship could not possibly be fully functional. So I counted off uh, two points for, um, for both of those things. Um, but literally everything else was fantastic. The animation reminded me of uh, DreamWorks. I don't know if every, I don't know if any of you. I really need to slow down. I've messed up way too many times. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen Prince of Egypt, but it really reminded me a lot of Prince of Egypt. The animation like used both 2D and some 3D stuff going on, and it really just made everything look so surreal um, and enjoyable. Um, the music reminded me a lot of um, early 2000s rock. I wonder why, because this movie was made in 2000s. Um, reminded me of a lot of the Goo Goo Dolls and, um, and stuff like that, especially that song that I had played coming into this movie um, really gives off um, Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls vibes. Um, but yeah, the antagonist, fantastic. The antagonist was originally the bad guy. Um who we all knew was the bad guy from the very beginning. But then as the movie went on, he bonded with the, the, the main protagonist who was without a father. Um, and they really built this 
um, complicated relationship because the protagonist originally suspected the the bad guy of being the bad guy, but the bad guy, in trying to build his trust, um, ended up coming to like the protagonist, and they built a really strong father-son dynamic, which uh, played a really vital role as the movie went on. All right. You like jazz? That won't be the last time I say that this episode. Um, we go to Monsters Incorporated, coming in at the number eight spot out of 26. Um, plot, 10 out of 10. Protagonist, 5 out of 5. Characters overall, 10 out of 10. Animation, 5 out of 5. Overall design, 10 out of 10. Music, 10 out of 10. Game changer, 8 out of 10. Redemption, 10 out of 10. Humor, 5 out of 5. Character development, 10 out of 10. Emotional investment, 5 out of 5. And the antagonists, 10 out of 10. Um, we all know the plot of Monsters Incorporated. Monsters Incorporated is... Monsters Incorporated is a classic. Um, another movie that I grew up watching a lot as a child... Um, it was just good. You know, I don't really uh, appreciate it, you know, as a child. But growing up, I can see a lot of things and in and in, in listen to a lot of different things that I never heard or never saw before. Um, the animation. The animation was actually pretty good considering when this movie was made. Um, I don't have any complaints about that. The overall design, everything looks good. Um, everything serves its purpose. The music was all right. I mean, there's not really just anything um, outstanding, but the music serves its purpose. And that, to me, is enough to warrant a perfect score for that. Uh, the Game Changer. My notes. Um, they say the reveal that the boss was in on it comes as a pleasant surprise. The solution is just a little bit too easy, though. I feel like a little more could have been fleshed out there. Um, so, yeah. So when the boss um, is shown to be in on it, he sends Soli and Mike away into the Appalachians. And Soli literally just builds a sled and leaves. And I felt like that's just a little bit too easy, you know. Uh, Mike was trying to get a lot of emotional uh, barriers out of the way. And Soli just decides to leave. And I feel like a lot more could have been, as I said, fleshed out uh, emotionally between the two of them. There's definitely something there that they just didn't talk about. And I thought that more could have been done. Uh, the redemption. I said that the scenes of them jumping through the doors are nonsensical, but good fun. Sully and Mike outsmarting their boss was very, very good. Um, in case that you don't know um, about them outsmarting their boss... They made it look like he was safe, the boss, and then coerced him to reveal his entire plan when, in fact, he was being recorded and the government was there to uh, see it all. So very smart on their part. I really liked that. Next, um, humor. I thought it was actually very funny. Character development, we saw a lot 
of growth between Mike and um, Sully. I know I said in the Game Changer, I wish that more was fleshed out, but they showed a lot of growth and a lot of change in positive ways. So I thought that was very good. The antagonists, we all hate the boss and we all hate Randall. Randall, that conniving little chameleon, was a total douchebag. And I'm sure that as far as this experiment goes, and if you know me personally, that... Yeah. So, I bet that gives it away. Coming in at number seven, we have the one, the only, Arabian Nights. Aladdin. Plot, it's a 10 out of 10. Protagonist gets a five out of five. Characters overall, 10 out of 10. Animation, five out of five. Overall design, 10 out of 10. Music, definitely a 10 out of 10. Game changer, a nine out of 10. Redemption, a 10 out of 10. Humor, a five out of five. Character development, a 10 out of 10. Emotional investment, five out of five. And antagonist, 10 out of 10. Coming to an overall score of 99 out of 100. Um, I thought this movie was very nice. All right, moving on to the next one. I would never do that. Plot-wise, um, definitely a good rags-to-riches um, story. The protagonist, I thought that Ali was just a phenomenal protagonist. Uh, definitely a, a, just an all-around good guy, despite, you know, being a thief. You know, he's just trying to survive. Um, animation, way, way before its time. Um, uses a lot of what I was talking about earlier with the 2D effects, with the 3D effects also. Um, we all know the music is good um, with Arabian Nights and Friend Like Me. Um, a Whole New World. Just everything is so good. The, the only thing with the Game Changer, which is why I gave it a 9 out of 10, because by the time that Jafar came into possession of the... Um, of the lamp, he'd already tried to kill Ali at least twice. And he knew that it was Ali by the time he tried to kill him the third time when he sent him away in the tower like it was a rocket. That's my problem. My notes say, why wouldn't Jafar want to make sure that Aladdin was dead? That's my only problem with this movie is that he's tried to kill him twice before he tried to drown him. Um, he tried to trap him in the cave of wonders and then we get to this point and he just sends him away in a, in a tower as if that's going to kill him which we know if you ever watched Aladdin that it doesn't because of course it didn't which makes you know Jafar look a little bit dumb he's still a really good villain I still gave him a 10 out of 10 but it just didn't make much sense to me in the context of the movie, why he wouldn't try to make sure that he you know, didn't come back to boil his plot. Um, the humor was good. It's a smart movie. Um, definitely does a good job of making fun of itself, which Robin Williams, a fantastic comedian and a good human being, um, 
does a great job as the genie. Uh, character development, you know, Aladdin figures out that he has to be himself. Um, the I almost gave it a 9 out of 10, but because of the Sultan, you know, changing his mind about the whole, my daughter must marry a, um, a prince. I was like, okay, yeah, I can get over that. And, um, so it was an easy 10 out of 10 for me. Emotionally invested. Uh, like I said before, Jafar was an amazing villain. Definitely one of my top three or four villains in the Disney universe. And shout out to my sister, Kyla, because this is her favorite movie. You know, if you guys are having a problem seeing the way that um, I am rating these movies and you just disagree, how about you just... Take a look through my eyes. And you will see that everything makes sense to me. All right, coming in at number six, we have The Brother Bear, one of my favorite Disney movies, like top three favorite Disney movies, um, or I guess now it's top four, which we'll get to that. Uh, plot, 10 out of 10. Characters overall, 10 out of 10. Uh, protagonist, 5 out of 5. Animation, 5 out of 5. Overall design, 10 out of 10. Music, 10 out of 10. <laughs> Phil Collins and Tina Turner, yeah, 10 out of 10. Game Changer, 9 out of 10. Redemption, 10 out of 10. Humor, 5 out of 5. Character development, 10 out of 10. Emotional investment, 5 out of 5. And antagonist, 10 out of 10. Um, this was definitely one of those movies that I watched on repeat as a child because we had it on DVD. And my mom's van, which is now my vehicle, um, we owned the DVD. And it had a DVD player. So... Everywhere we went, I always wanted to watch Brother Bear. Didn't matter where we were going, how long we were going to be in the vehicle, it was always Brother Bear. Um, so I have very good memories about this movie. And I tried to push those memories away uh, so that I could see this movie from a very objective point of view. Maybe I succeeded, maybe not. Um, if you haven't seen Brother Bear, allow me to give you a brief overview there are three brothers. Uh, they live, I'm assuming, somewhere near Alaska. Um, this is way back before modern civilization. Um, they're hunters, gatherers. They, um, the youngest one, it's his adulthood ceremony. And so he is in charge of putting up the fish before the ceremony in which he will receive his totem, which is supposed to be the uh, the guiding personality that will guide him through life. And so during the ceremony, he gets a bear, the bear of love, um, which is supposed to be the most important totem of all. But, you know, being a young teenager, he's like, what? This is stupid. Um, I don't want love. I want a saber tooth. I want, you know, whatever. And... Um, as the movie goes on, actually immediately afterwards, he goes to hunt down a bear because the bear took their food. It took their fish because he didn't tie it up correctly. And so he finds the bear and his older brother ends up sacrificing his life to save both of his younger brothers. Um, 
from the bear because that bear was about to tear them apart. Um, and then through the movie, it's it's essentially a movie about being able to see your role and everything and just have an appreciation for life um, so that nothing is wasted and that everything has a purpose, um, which I thought was just beautiful. Um, super emotional movie, super good, really nice message. My game changer, I wrote Kenai, who is the youngest brother, had to tell the kid, um, the kid being the bear that took their food, actually had a son, and Kenai, Kenai ended up killing the mother. And when Kenai killed the mother, the spirits above that change everything that are in charge of like nature um, ended up turning Kenai into a bear. And so he was essentially... Um, the guardian of this son who no longer had a mother. And he had to tell the kid eventually that um, Kenai had killed his mother. I wrote, that sucked. The real problem for me here was how fast Coda, who was the child, forgave Kenai for killing his mother. That's not something brotherly love can just expunge. Um, he really does forgive him fairly quickly, and I wasn't a huge fan of that. I was a fan of him forgiving him in general, but not with how fast it happened. I thought that it could have been you know, drawn out a little bit longer, but due to time constraints, I understand. Redemption, I wrote, sure, Sitka, who is the oldest brother, um, showing up just in time is just a little convenient, but it's okay. Um, Sitka ends up showing up right before bear with me the middle brother who thinks that his youngest brother has been killed by the bear also is about to kill kenai because he thinks that he's the bear that killed kenai if that makes sense if that doesn't make sense i will be happy to uh, explain this to you um but for right now danahi who is the middle brother danahi's realization that he almost killed his brother it's just chef's kiss because the whole movie is just filled with dramatic irony. Kenai deciding to stay a bear really proves his uh, quote unquote love totem. Right. And Coda got to see his mom, which I thought was cool. Um, it really puts a nice bow on everything. Um, it, it really ties the whole movie together really shows you how everything fits um, within the movie and how everything moves and meshes. Um, humor, top tier, character development. The characters just learn so much over the course of the movie. Um, it's a smart movie in terms of um, the small details that tie everything together. The antagonist... Um, the antagonist would be Danahi, who is the middle brother, who is trying to avenge his older brother and his little brother's death without realizing that the bear that he is hunting is actually his youngest brother. And I just think that is so heart-wrenching to watch the way that he tries so hard to kill this bear. And there's no way for him to know that it's his younger brother. So if he had succeeded... I'm sure he would have figured it out after the fact, but um, just say hypothetically, if he had figured it out, that really would have destroyed him.
this movie is easily a top four movie for me all time. Oh, this is the night. It's a beautiful night. And now we've reached the esteemed 100 Club. Top five. Starting at the five spot, we have Lady and the Tramp, which I feel, in my heart of hearts, is the best classic Disney movie. Um, it's definitely the only classic Disney movie to have made it to the top five. Um, in fact, I think it's the only one to have made it to the top ten. Um, so here we go. Once again, another smart movie. Definitely knows what it's talking about. Um, it makes fun of a lot of things that um, trained ears have to pick up on. Um, that kind of humor is special. Uh, so plot, 10 out of 10. Characters, overall, 10 out of 10. In fact, why am I even going through and reading all of these? You already know. Um, everything is perfect. I gave a perfect score to everything. Um, the music was fantastic as you saw from uh, or as you listened from Bella Note um, the protagonists being Lady and Tramp um, I thought they were played their parts perfectly uh, Tramp being the scamp that uh, that runs around all the time and never settles down but now that he's found the one you know that's his weakness and they tease that throughout the, the whole movie that he has no weakness and that they can never catch him. But then when Lady gets put in the dog pound, they talk about how if Tramp ever found the one, like, you know, the one for him, the one woman for him, he would make a mistake and it would get him caught. And that's exactly what ended up happening. It was really good foreshadowing. Um, the animation before its time, I thought it was very solid. Uh, the overall design, I give it a 10 out of 10. Music, of course, a 10 out of 10. The Game Changer, I wrote down, nice action with the rat. The rat was the main antagonist. You literally see it for maybe three seconds at the beginning of the movie, and then it doesn't pop up again until the very end. But it's definitely the main antagonist of the movie. Um, I wrote, I appreciate that Tramp couldn't control himself and knocked the baby carriage over. He's been in the wild so long, he has no bedside manners. F that rat, though, by the way. Um, so in the big climax of the movie, Lady gets locked up outside because the, um, the aunt who is watching the baby uh, locks her up outside, and she doesn't, like she doesn't like Lady. But Lady sees the rat going into the baby's bedroom window, and so Tramp runs inside to you know kill it or to stop it from messing with the baby. And in the process, he ends up knocking the baby over because, of course, he does. He has no kind of um, understanding of his surroundings inside the house. Um, he ends up killing the rat. Yay, hero wins. Until um, the ant ends up calling the dog pound, which gets Tramp locked up and... Okay, let me just go ahead and say this. In The Redemption, I wrote, all in all, I felt like it was too short and almost pointless. However, I think it works. Trusty almost dying was a nice touch, considering Jim Deere and Darling would have saved Tramp anyway. So what happens is, Tramp 
gets locked up. He's being taken to the uh, the dog pound, and two of the neighbor neighboring dogs, one of them being named uh, Trusty. I can't remember the other one, but he's like Scottish. Um, they track down the the truck so that they can stop it, so that they can save um, Tramp from you know being taken to the dog pound and ultimately killed when a dog doesn't get picked up after so long because no one is going to want tramp because he's caught, he's been such a troublemaker. Um, and so they're chasing after it. And I found that to be cool in the moment, but then ladies owners end up also going to stop tramp from being taken to the dog pound. So both of them at the same time kind of doesn't make much sense, but I look past it because of the character development. Um, because Trusty and the other dog don't trust Tramp, but the fact that they would be willing to put their lives on the line and stop um, the dog catcher from taking Tramp away, I thought that was really cool, and I really enjoyed it. The antagonist, that rat, hated it. I'm glad it's dead. Life could be a dream. Life could be a dream. Coming in at the number four spot, we have arguably one of the greatest Disney movies of the 2000s, Cars. Once again, a perfect score, so there's no need for me to run through everything. Um, we all know the plot of Cars. Um, animation was really good. Music was fantastic, just like uh, what we just heard with Life Could Be a Dream. Um Life is a highway, yada, yada, yada. We all loved it. Um, you know, initially, I did not want to make Cars a perfect score because um, I don't know why, to be honest with you. It just didn't seem right. It didn't seem fitting because I've always thought of Cars as more of a joke. But then, you know, the more I thought about it and the more that I watched this movie, like this movie is just really, really good. It's super solid. I couldn't find anything wrong with it if I tried. Um, you know, sometimes the animation could seem wonky, but it was not enough to really count off any points for it. Uh, the Game Changer, I wrote, Doc leaking lightning's location is brutal, especially with how the kid just basically revived his town for a night. Stark contrast. Um, stark contrast being Doc talking, Doc Hudson, talking about um, how race cars are super self-centered and selfish. And then after Lightning, well, I'm sure he didn't call the press after Lightning had fixed the town, but it was just the timing of everything. You know, they were in the middle of celebrating, and then here comes the press and the big truck and, you know, the world essentially coming to ruin the party. And it was Doc Hudson's fault. Um, who used to be a race car. So I thought the parallels there were pretty cool. Uh, the Redemption, I wrote, the car is kinder than I am. There's just something about lightning pushing the king across the finish line that made me emotional. Um, the car being Lightning McQueen, uh, because if it were me in his position at the end of the, the movie with the, the piston cup on the line, I would not have stopped at the finish line. I would have crossed the finish line and then turned around to go push um, the king across. 
rather than stopping right at it and then driving backwards to get back to the king to make sure that he finishes. Um, I definitely, I'm selfish in that way, I suppose. The more I thought about it, I almost counted off a point for it, but um, it means a lot more the fact that he didn't want the king to finish last in his last race while also wrecking and totaling, you know. Um, I thought that was really cool and really emotional for him to to put himself last for that. And for that, Lightning McQueen, who was a fictional character of a car, um, he gets my respect for that. The humor gets a 5 out of 5. Tomater is just freaking hilarious. We all know it. I feel like they tried a little bit too hard with every sequel, um, but I'm not too mad about that. The character development is fantastic. Lightning McQueen starts off as a hotshot jerk, and then he ends up being you know, a family man, essentially. He finds a family in, in um, Radiator Springs. Um, emotional investment. I still got teary-eyed thinking about Lightning pushing King across the finish line. I thought that was just so cool. The antagonist being um, Chick. Hate that guy. Such a Chad. Kachuga, Kachuga. But definitely an underrated movie, for sure. And if you try to get me to admit that this was all just a big waste of my time, You tell him, Meg, because honestly, this is such a great time. And, uh, yeah. So next is my favorite Disney movie ever. Coming in at the three spot, we have Hercules. The story about the, uh, the Greek demigod who was, in this movie, retconned to be a full god until he drank a human potion that turned him mostly human. And this movie is just about, you know, his struggle to become, well, a god again and to come back home to be with his parents. You know, he ends up falling in love and he learns how to be a hero and whatnot. And it's just it's just an amazing, amazing movie. Plot? Yeah, that's the plot. The protagonist, Hercules, you know, he's flawed. He wants to be the big guy that call the shots and stuff, but he, he really serves his purpose well. He, um, a lot of character development, just a ton of character development with him. Um, characters overall with, um, with Phil, Phil and Pegasus, like I said earlier, probably in either this podcast or the last one, talking about how you always have to listen to the animals because the animals are almost always right. Um, music. Man, those muses were just so, so good. And Meg killed it in, I won't say, I mean, I could just gush all day long about the soundtrack for Hercules. Um, the overall design, very Greek, very authentic, but also very entertaining. The animation, very good. The game changer, I wrote, um, damn, that's rough, buddy. First, Phil leaves. Then he gives away his strength. Learns that Meg betrayed him. He loses his horse and he has to fight a giant cyclops. And this was all within a matter of about 10 to 15 minutes. Because he and Phil get into a fight because Phil finds out at the end of um, at the end of that song that I played at the end of uh, I won't say 
Phil ends up overhearing a conversation between Meg and Hades, um, where Meg basically reveals that she's been working for Hades this whole time. Phil goes to tell Hercules, and Hercules is like, you don't know her like I know her, and just a bunch of bullcrap. Um, dramatic irony, what can I say? Um, so Phil, he leaves. He's like, you know what, if you don't want this that bad, fine, whatever. Um, and then Hades comes up and he says, look, you can have Meg's soul if you give away your strength for a day, at least 24 hours, because when that 24 hours, Hades was going to take over Mount Olympus, and then he was going to take over the world. Um, and then after that, he learns Meg betrayed him. So he loses his mentor, loses his strength, loses his love. Um, all while this is happening, Pegasus got kidnapped, so he loses his horse. And then he has to fight a giant Cyclops who was bent on killing him. Um, and I just thought that was just crazy. The redemption being not when he got back his powers, but before that when he fought the Cyclops, knowing he didn't have any powers. He fought the Cyclops partially because, you know, he just didn't care about his life anymore, but also because he knew that people were looking for him. He knew that he had to be there to fight the Cyclops, regardless of whether he had his powers or not, because people were relying on him. And my singular note for there is just badass, because it is just incredible. Uh, the humor, another smart movie. Um, character development, like I mentioned earlier, fantastic emotional investment. Um, even after all this time, after this many viewings, I'm still emotionally invested in the outcome of this movie. The antagonist, Hades, he is my favorite villain in all of Disney. Everything. Um, so, yeah. Because he's just, you know, he's a mastermind. He's not muscled. He's, um, he's the planner. And then when he surrounds himself with idiots, everything just goes wrong. You know, even the Titans, they're just a bunch of mindless brutes. Uh, that only have destruction on their minds. And that's why he's able to control them so well. Um, which we also see that's why they fail, because they're just you know, idiotic. So, yeah. Hey. Hercules. Very good movie. And now at number two. Remember me. One of the most emotional movies that I have ever, ever watched in my life. Don't let it make you cry For even if I'm far away Oh, me. The waterworks were just out in full force for this movie. Coco is just such an amazing journey, is what it is. Um, everything is perfect. Everything. Um, I mean, visually... I can't help but just fall in love with this movie. Musically, everything is just so personal and intimate. You know, darn dastardly Ernesto for um, commercializing everything. If it wasn't for Hector, you know, Ernesto wouldn't have been anything. Uh, the Game Changer, I wrote a total gut punch. Smart viewers were probably able to sniff out the reveal before, but it's still so good in execution. The color scheme change really adds to this. 
second cry of the movie. Um, the game changer. I'm sorry if you've never seen Coco. Um, spoilers incoming. When we find out that uh, De La Cruz isn't actually Miguel's great grandfather, and it's actually Hector, which we find out, you know, minutes later. Um, but the scene in which we find out that De La Cruz killed Hector. You know, there's kind of a subtle color change. It goes from like the bright colors of the party that was going on before to a really sinister green, and it only um, accentuates half of De La Cruz's face, and it really makes him look evil because you know that's what he is. Um, second cry of the movie is when Hector remembers um, his daughter Coco, where he sings remember me which was like his last memory of her while he was alive uh, the redemption of course another 10 out of 10 i wrote abuela sang with an exclamation mark i thought this was well done my only gripe could be how miguel's family knew how to work tv equipment but that's such a small detail it's not worth counting off a point third fourth and fifth cry of the movie um I'm trying to figure out how to like describe it. I mean, it's just so self-explanatory. I cried so many times in this movie. The first time I cried was when um, Hector went and borrowed that guitar from um, from the guy who was about to fade. And um, I cried during all that. I cried thinking about how I was about to cry because I've watched this movie maybe once or twice before and I always cry in the same spots. So I know the parts that are going to make me emotional. And then I cry before because I'm thinking about them. And then I cry when they happen. And then I cry because I'm embarrassed. No, I'm kidding. I don't cry because I'm embarrassed. But everything else is correct. Um, third, fourth, and fifth cry. Um, it all basically revolves around Hector. Hector, when he's fading away, I cried. Um, and then I cried again when... Um, when Miguel went to go sing to his uh, Mama Coco because she wasn't remembering. And then I cried when she finally did remember. And then I cried again a year later when it turns out that she had died um, in that past year and she was with her parents. And this whole movie is such a journey. And the thing about number two and number one is that they both play on two of my biggest, um, two of my biggest, I'm trying to think of what the word is. I guess two of my biggest fears. Uh, Coco plays on my fear of being forgotten. And um, I guess not having a home, I guess, is... Like not having a family. Because family is a big deal to me. It's always been a big deal. It's a big part of my life. So I really relate to the, the family dynamic of Coco. And, you know, I've often thought about, you know, who's going to remember some of the people that I remember whenever I'm gone. You know, and it's up to us to really pass down these stories. But no one is ever going to care about the people that you care about except you 
you know, there's no, there's nothing that you can say to other people to make them care about someone if they never do them personally. And, um, that's just a big part for me. Now we get to um, the number one spot, the greatest Disney movie that I've ever seen, Soul. Um, some of you may recognize this song in particular, titled Epiphany, from the end of the movie, when Joe um, comes to realize that 22 had a point. And, you know, maybe 22 um, did understand what it meant to be human. And maybe 22 did find her spark. I can't pinpoint one thing that really just makes soul stand out. It's just an all-encompassing, perfect movie for me. And like I mentioned with Coco, it plays on things that I think about. Um, in terms of like meaning and finding your spark and you know what lies behind um, or beyond you know life you know what is there what is what gives us meaning what makes us do the things that we do and it does it in such a way that it's not overbearing it's super simple and it's beautiful and it sounds just mesmerizing um, the plot was just so good protagonist, good Joe is just so relatable um, you know, he's been doing his best he has dreams but he um, he's not fulfilled and the um, Dorothea Williams I'm pretty sure that's who it was she has a really good analogy about not being satisfied with where you are to the point where you're almost ignorant. You know, what if what you have in front of you is what you wanted all along, but you've just been calling it something else? The animation, top tier. I have, I mean, they could not have done any better. The representation in this movie of people of color, of black people, was just incredible. Um, you know, the body shapes, the hair shapes, the mannerisms, the inflection, which, I mean, I'm sure they had black people come do and, you know, come and do the voices. But it was just so incredible, you know. I don't think I've seen a single movie that represented people that I see every day the way that, you know, the way that this movie did. Because it felt like I was at a family reunion at times, you know, seeing this many people, you know, accurately represented. Um, like I said, music was fantastic. If you like jazz, you like jazz. If you like jazz, this is a fantastic movie. If you like good music that makes you, you know, feel something on the inside, this is it. Um, I cried multiple times. Like I said, Soul and Coco are my they're my kryptonite. I've only ever seen Soul once, and it was for this marathon. And I could not imagine a better movie to encapsulate, you know, what a Disney movie is. It where words fail, this movie speaks, and it is just beautiful. 
Um, it, it almost had a 99. Uh, I struggled for a long time with this movie. In fact, I don't think I settled on it being a perfect score until this morning. Um, because of just one really small minor detail, uh, the game changer, I wrote, Terry wins, but also she doesn't. I said minus one point for Terry not chasing Joe down a second time, always counting but missed that, a slight oversight. And then I wrote this morning, I said, never mind. Um, because, you know, Terry finally catches Joe in 22 and brings him back. Um, but as if you know, if you've seen Soul, Joe ends up escaping and going back to Earth. Um, in 20, not 22, but Terry never catches him or never like, chases after him. And I thought that was weird because they established Terry as being like this Rottweiler of a uh, of a hound dog, and you know, constantly counting. But but she missed him, and I just didn't quite understand that. Um, I guess I just kind of had to reconcile that you know Terry was very selfish, and it probably let his guard down, or let her guard down, let its guard down, um, and just wasn't counting. Because eventually at the end of the movie, we see that the, uh, the Jerry's, I think it was Jerry B, eventually um, tricked Terry into believing that the count was correct to let Joe get away, which I thought was just amazing. I can't use the word beautiful enough because that's just what this movie was. It was beautiful. I wrote, even in the redemption, my notes in the redemption say beautiful, tears, you know, you know, the, the music that I just played to introduce Soul um, named Epiphany, where it's basically highlighting everything that Joe, um, that makes Joe see life as worth living. It's all things that I've thought about, um, really just paying attention to the minutia of life and um, looking at the little things, the little things that give life meaning that give you your spark, that make that, that help you wake up every day. Um, soul really brings out your soul for lack of better, um, for lack of better description. And I say that soul is, you know, the, the best Disney movie that I've ever seen. But if I was going to pick one, like out of the top five to watch over and over again, it would be Hercules. And that's not a slight against soul or Coco or anything else on this list, really, it's just, I just enjoy Hercules that much. We all have that one movie that is your favorite movie. But if I had to say what was the best movie, especially out of this list, it'd be Soul. Um, and it's not even close, because it's just real enough, and it incorporates just enough fantasy that it's all so super believable. Um, you know, I could easily believe that some of this stuff is actually something that happens. Um, that being said, um, that's all I got. It's surprising that we made it to this point, and I'm glad to have taken this on. Um, hopefully, you all have gotten a kick out of it. Hopefully, I've been entertaining enough. Um, I've bared a lot of my heart through this journey, and it's been rewarding in the best way. Y'all have a good one, and see you next time.